that I want to speak about, Psalm 139 today. Uh, a very well-known psalm if you have read the Bible before, and if you haven't, this is an amazing psalm to start with. So the psalms are songs um, and prayers, and they're sort of halfway in the middle of the Bible. There's 150 of them, and I think about 80 of them were written by David, who was the king of all of Israel. And David wrote this one, Psalm 139. So David was a king, but he had been, you know, a shepherd. He was the youngest of a whole pile of big brothers. He um, had been in the army. He had led wars. He had children. He had a few wives. Um, you know, he had known, he was a man acquainted with grief. He knew his children had died. He had a baby who died. He had um, a lot of things going on in his life. And it's this man who wrote this psalm. And so I want to read it just kind of line by line and then speak about each different part, if you are okay with that today. I'll take the silence as a yes. Okay. So what I did was actually I've been looking into the Hebrew words, and I cannot pronounce a single one of them. So I won't be saying any of them today and massacring the Hebrew language. But I was looking up the Hebrew words. And what you'll find in different translations of the Bible, um, so this is from the ESV, English Standard Version, I think, and there's NIV, NLT, um, is that sometimes you can have a different word in a different Bible and things like that. The Bible's None of them are translated from another translation. All of them, even the Message Bible, is translated straight from the original Hebrew and the original Greek. But the Hebrew language is quite rich, and they'll have one word, and it can mean not totally different words, but just many, many layers. And so I want to share some of those words and some of those other layers today so we can get a really um, a, a more full picture of what these words are saying. So this first line, O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. And this word search in the Hebrew, it means investigate, examine, and weigh and measure. O oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You have known me. This word know means to know, but it also means to learn and become acquainted with to understand or comprehend, to discover and experience, to become intimate friends and to know with certainty, to observe and perceive and recognize and become sure and very well aware. That's what this word means. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. And as David is writing the psalm, he's having this revelation of the intimacy of God towards us. And he could well have said, God, you know the whole world, you know everything that happens. But he says, you know me. All very well for God to know all the stuff in the world, but, but God, you know me. And whether you know God today, whether you know Jesus as a friend or not today, God knows you. He has searched in your heart and in your life and in your thoughts, and he knows you. He perceives, he comprehends, he understands. He weighs and he measures and he knows you. It's like there's this full-on just beam of light from heaven straight onto you, straight into you. We can't see it, but God is ever-present to me as an individual. 
you know when I sit down and when I rise up and you discern my thoughts from afar. This word know is different and it means to understand and carefully consider. It's more of a doing word. It's investigating and carefully considering and learning and paying close attention to, pondering about and showing regard for. When I sit and when I rise up, my comings and my goings. One time I went to this church and we had the squeaky green lino as our flooring and I was late to church one day and the person up the front was reading this psalm and I had super squeaky shoes on. So it was total silence and I came in, squeak, 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 squeak all the way. Everyone looked, but the, the person at the front was reading this, you know, and it said, the translation was like, you know when I come in and when I go out. I was like, well, everyone knows when I'm coming in. <laughs> squeak, squeak. He knows, even when we sit down, even the most mundane things that we're doing, he knows about. You know, you come home from work or from school or from being out and you're tired and you just sit down. Just sit down. But God is right there. He knows when we sit down. And then it's time to stand up again and keep going and do your jobs and make the dinner or feed the baby or go back to work or just go and do something else. He knows. He's right there and he knows. Even as we stand up, the intimacy of God in every mundane part of our lives, he knows. You know when I even just sit down and when I stand back up again. And he discerns my thoughts This means he listens carefully, he considers, he carefully ponders my thoughts, your thoughts. He cares about our thoughts. Nobody else can hear our thoughts. The devil certainly can't hear our thoughts, but God can hear our thoughts and he carefully ponders them. Sometimes maybe do you feel like your thoughts kind of get on a runaway train without you and they worry and they get anxious, and they just kind of take off, and no matter what you do, you're like, shut up, brain, I'm trying to sleep, or, but you know, your thoughts just kind of take on a life of their own, but you are not alone in your own thoughts. The Lord is with you, and he knows every one of your thoughts, and he's not just standing around judging and listening. He carefully ponders them. He carefully listens. He has special regard even for our thoughts. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. You know, our path in life, our journey in life, may just have happened. It may have been accidentally that we're just kind of reacting to things. It may have been shaped by others or it might be a conscious choice by us. But our path is known by God. And our resting, when we lie down and when we rest, when we sit in his presence and we rest, he is there. And when we're racing through life, he knows it all. He's acquainted with all my ways. And this word acquainted is actually, well, it means like to know someone, but it's got this element in the Hebrew of benefit or profitability, being profitable. So it's not like, oh no, God knows everything I do and he's hearing all my thoughts like a policeman standing behind me or driving behind me about to catch me out in my crimes. Not like that at all. This word acquainted and knowing our ways is about our benefit. It's got this layer of this is beneficial to me, to you. 
like if you've got an illness, like you've got a broken bone or you have cancer or something like that, you want the doctor to know what's going on in you, don't you? You like, give me the MRI, the CT, the blood test, the x-ray, give it all to me, find out everything that's going inside me because it's to my benefit that the doctors will know. And this is the kind of knowing that God has for you and for me. It's a beneficial knowing, not a condemning knowing. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. Sometimes I don't even know the words that are on my tongue until after they come out, right? I'm not one of those people who think it through before I speak. I don't even know if there are such people. We just kind of blab on, but the Lord knows even before a word is on my lips, even before it's on my tongue, he already knows it. And so this is why we never need to worry about what we sound like when we pray because God knows what we need and he knows what we're going to say. And that doesn't mean that we shouldn't pray because, like, I love my husband and he loves me. I know he does, but I still want to hear it. And if he says he loves me, I'm not like, yeah, I know. You told me last week. You don't need to keep saying it. Even though I know he's going to say it, I still want to hear it because it's not actually about the information we're giving. God longs to just hear our prayers because it's not about the information. It's about the conversation we're pouring out our heart to God and he longs to listen to us. Psalm 116 says, he bends down to listen to me. He inclines his ear to me. He turns towards me to listen to my prayer. Have you ever seen that? A child, you know, a little toddler runs up to their parent and the, ch- and the parent will bend down the ear to listen or maybe best friends or even spouses or something because you just want to hear what they're saying. They bend in to listen. God inclines his ear to us. He wants to hear us pray. He wants to hear what we've got to say. I know that not everybody wants to hear what I have to say. Maybe you feel that sometimes too. But God longs to hear from us. He's inclining his ears. We think when we pray somehow there's this kind of us kind of begging God to try and move him into into what we want him to do or something. But actually, it's the opposite. Jesus says, I come to you. I'm the one standing at the door of your heart and knocking. He's the one reaching out to us and bending close to us and inclining his ear to us and carefully pondering out every thought and just longing to have that conversation with us. Isn't that amazing? You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Now, some translations put this as, you hedge me in. And I think that's where that people pray that, put a, a, a hedge of protection around me, which I always thought, like, what is a hedge? And how will that protect me? But this is what it's to do with you. You put a hedge around me, you, put, you hem me in. If you look up different translations, this word is often different in every translation. And the reason is because the original Hebrew word is a little bit confronting. It's really quite a strong military term, and it kind of has connotations of my adversary. It's, it's to do with being surrounded by your enemies, being surrounded by a great army. 
And so translators kind of are like, oh, how do we put this nicely? Will you hem me in or you hedge me in? Or one translation says, your strong arm is all around me to protect me. And some say, you surround me. But remember, David is a military man. He would have been in situations where he's looked at all the hills and he's like, "Uh uh-oh, we are surrounded. And he uses this word regarding God, you surrounded me. In front of me, behind me, in my past, in my future, to the left and the right, whether I wanted it or not, you surrounded me. There's nowhere I can go. You laid your hand upon me. I'm surrounded by God. And then he says, this knowledge is just too wonderful. It's too high. I can't attain it. It's too remarkable. It's too astonishing. Have you ever just spent time just thinking about how much God knows us? You know, if you eat a piece of bread, he knows the hands of the baker who made it and the, the company that wrapped it up and the person who sold it to you and the people who milled it. And he knows the farmer and he knows his name and he stood with the farmer as the farmer scattered the seeds of wheat and well, didn't scatter, that's a bit biblical, isn't it? However, sowed the wheat and, uh, and stood on his porch with his cup of tea, like waiting for the rain. He knows every insect that went through, um, you know, those fields of wheat. He knows every insect that flew through the wheat and every single part of it, every single part of it. And David's just like, oh, this is just, it's blowing my mind. Your knowledge is too much. It's too great for me. There's kind of like a a crescendo. Remember, this is a song. I can imagine all the music just swelling at this point. He's like, you know me, you search me, you know when I sit down and when I get up, you know my thoughts, you search my path and my lying down, you know all my ways before a word is on my tongue, you already know it, you're before me, you're behind me, you've surrounded me, you hedged me in and it's just too incredible and astonishing and amazing and too much for me to imagine. And then he says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. You know, it's incredible to think that the people singing the song those Israelite people, they really didn't go anywhere. They stayed in the same sort of area. Maybe when they were, you know, the armies would have gone to the next door neighboring towns or countries, but they didn't go very far. So many of us here have been to the opposite side of the world and people on the planet have been to the moon and we're talking about going to Mars. These people went nowhere. They stayed in their little space. But David had this revelation that even if I went to the other side of the world, if I went to the mysterious other side of the ocean... You're already there. No matter if I went to the moon, if we were able to travel at the speed of the light, we'd hoon up to the moon in a few minutes and then we'd find God already beat me here somehow. Wherever we are, no matter what country, no matter what situation, God is already there. There's nowhere we can go and not find him there already. David says, if I say, surely this darkness will cover me and the light about me be night, but even the dark is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day. 
for darkness is as light to you. And the Hebrew word for this darkness does mean dark like the sun's gone to bed and it's night time. But it also is a figurative term, a metaphorical term. And it means the darkness of sin or evil. And it also means the darkness of grief or distress or confusion. And it even means the darkness of ignorance, of not knowing. And so let's read this again, thinking about that. Surely, maybe you've said things like this in your life or even right now. You're saying, surely this confusion, this distress, this grief will overwhelm me. Surely this injustice, this evil will overtake me. Surely all the light in my life is going away and everything seems to be dark. Surely the sin will win over me, this confusion. But the revelation is, but even this darkness is not even dark to you, Lord. The night is as bright as the day. Things might seem dark to our eyes, but there is no darkness in God. God is light and there is no shadow in him at all. And he, light is one of his creations, and darkness is one of his creations, and he's outside of both, and there's no light or dark. There's no situation that can cover us from him. If you're familiar with David's story, one time he was running for his life. People were trying to actively kill him, and he hides in a cave. And the very people who are searching for him and looking to kill him come into the entrance of the cave. And I just imagine he's like standing pressed up against the back, trying to be in the dark. Lord, please let the darkness hide me. Don't let them see me. And yet he has this revelation of no matter how dark it is, you always see me. There's no place we can go to be away from God's presence. There's no place we can go or situation we can be in to be lost from God. We lose our Wi-Fi, but God will never lose us. Our, his view of us is never obscured. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wave your hands if you know this verse. Very, very beautiful, very, very rich. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And that word fearfully actually does mean fearfully, like afraid. And it's got to do with awe and reverence and things making you shake a little bit. It's used in other parts of the Bible where people come before God or come before a king and there's this element of kind of fearful reverence of being in the presence of something great and kind of trembling and shaking a little bit. And this is to do with us and our bodies, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Even as Christians, so many of us have this dissatisfaction or the sense of like, I'm not happy with my body in some way or it doesn't work how I want it to or things along those lines. But, but we are fearfully and wonderfully made. If you think about any part of our body, I mean, we're just so familiar with it. We've had it all this time and we think it's kind of 
not that great probably. Look at breathing. Look, I'm breathing in and out. I'm a pro. We think that's easy, no big deal there. But you could spend the rest of your life learning about the processes of breathing and at the, at the anatomical and DNA level about breathing. You could just spend the rest of your life learning about it and never get to the end of it. It's so, every single part of us is so complex. And so we should consider our bodies as wonderfully and fearfully made complex, astonishing things. You know, if someone were to give you a gift and it's just a simple gift, like a little box of chocolates, you're like, sweet, thanks, I like chocolates, I'll eat them. Or give them to someone who eats chocolates. But if someone gives you a completely rare, completely priceless, utterly complicated, intricate, amazing gift that actually fills all of your life's needs, well then you should be like, I'm going to be looking after this one. And a little element of, I I did not know that you loved me so much to give me this incredible, priceless, complex gift. And that's what this is saying, how we should consider our bodies, how we should honour our bodies. We worship God and we we honour God by honouring the gift that he's given us. So we should consider our bodies as a gift from God. They're a sign of how much he loves us. You can't get a body anywhere else in the universe. There's only one. So we want to take care of our bodies to honour God. Take care of your teeth, take care of your skin, take care of your lungs, take care of your brain and your muscles. Honour God by honouring our bodies. They're fearfully astonishingly, incredibly complexly made, and it's a gift from God. So we have reverence for our bodies. David says, wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. See, God has always known us. And whether you know him today or not, God has always known you. Before, well before you knew about you, and even before your parents knew about you, God was right there paying attention, carefully crafting every part of you. And some of us might have parents who were really excited to hear that we, that we were, you know, growing, being about to be born. And some of us may have had parents who were not happy about it. And some people, their parents might think, well, it's just a health issue I need to deal with. But regardless of any of that, God was present and God is there every step of the way, actually involved and intricately weaving you together. He does not make mistakes. He didn't make mistakes when he made you. He wants to give you a life and a destiny and a purpose. That's the greater truth. From the moment of our conception... And for every single one of our days, David says, in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. It's a very poetic version, but it's saying, every one of the days that were formed for me, before any one of them came into being, you already knew about them. You had already written them all down. We are not robots. One of God's 
highest plans for humanity is that we have complete free will. That's his highest plan for us, that we, he, that we answer his invitation completely freely. He does not force us to do anything or we're not living out a programmed plan for him. But he knows every one of our days. C.S. Lewis says it's like reading a book and we are the characters in the book and God is the, uh, God is the reader. And the characters have to take the slow journey page by page by page to find out what happens. But God the reader can flick freely to any page in the past, in the, in the future, in the present. And he always is available to see, you know, every part of us. So he's not forcing us to do anything, but he's present at every moment. And he knows every one of our days. And so this, let this give us great comfort because no days are a surprise to him. No moment that catches us unaware is a surprise to God. He knows what we will encounter and he's prepared for it. He's already gone ahead and he prepares a way. You know, we had a little girl stay with us for um, a few months, a few years ago, and she, um, she was used to doing everything on her own. She didn't really know to ask an adult for help, but it became sports day, and she was in a very, you know, big, stressing out, freaking out mood in the morning. She's like, where are my shoes for sports day? So here they are. There's your shoes. So okay. A few minutes later, where is my blue shirt? Oh, no, I need a blue shirt. Here it is. Here's the blue shirt. She comes into the kitchen. Oh, no, I forgot. I need extra lunch. I need extra drinks for the sports day. I'm like, here you go. Pass her the full lunchbox and all the drinks and things. She's looking at me like I'm David Copperfield or something. How could I know all this magical information that she didn't know about? But I'm like, because I'm an adult. And I've done heaps of sports days before. And I know the drill. And I know what you need. And I'm prepared for it. And here you go. And God is the same to us. We enter a situation, we're like, oh, I had no idea this is going to happen. I'm completely caught unawares. I've got no idea how to get through it. And God is like, here you go. I knew it was coming. I know how to get you through. I'm already prepared. I've got all the grace that you need. If it's a temptation, I've made a way out for you. If it's comfort that you need, I have comfort for you. He is never caught unawares. He's never caught by surprise. He's prepared before even one of them. Every one of my days were written in your book. How precious to me are your thoughts, O oh God. How vast is the sum of them. If I could count them, they're more than the sand. And I awake and I'm still with you. This verse always cracks me up because I feel like David must have spent all day kind of meditating on this and just been blown away by the intimacy of God. And, and then he's like, how many other thoughts that you have, God? And then he kind of thinks about it and then he falls asleep. And then he wakes up and he's like, oh, you're still with me when I awake. At every moment, awake and asleep. But I want to ask you, I want you to ask yourselves, what are the thoughts of God towards you? Do you know? What, God, do you think about my work? What do you think about my life? What do you think about how I treat others? What do you think about how I think about myself or treat myself? What are the thoughts of God towards you? And you can just ask him, what do you think 
about this. His thoughts towards us are always good and always kind. And if, you know, for us, the clearest way to find out the thoughts of God is to look to Jesus. Jesus is the, Hebrew says, the exact representation of God. And so we don't need to just wonder. We can just read the Gospels and we can hear the mind of Christ and the thoughts of Christ. Um, in 1 Corinthians 2.16, it says, Who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things because we have the mind of Christ. You can see how Jesus thought about things and how he taught about things and how he interacted with people in all their different situations. Jesus said, if you know me, then you know the Father. If you've seen me, then you have seen the Father. We can know God's thoughts by looking to Jesus. And if you never read the Bible, can I just encourage you to read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and just read what Jesus says, what, Je- what Jesus is saying. What is your thoughts towards me, O oh God? Because he has lots of thoughts. This next part seems to take a sudden change. Seems like David all of a sudden gets angry. No more just kind of gazing at God and saying, how great are your thoughts and how wonderful are you? But it takes this kind of sudden change. He says, oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God, and men of blood depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with a complete hatred. I count them as my enemies. It seems to come out of nowhere, doesn't it? Beautiful God, I love you. You love me. You know my thoughts. Don't I hate the ones who hate you? Haven't I told you that? Slay those wicked men, men of blood. But actually it is a progression because David is understanding this revelation about the power of God, the uh, all-encompassing surrounding of God. And maybe some of you have even been thinking about it as we've gone through the psalm. God, you know my every day. And at some point our thoughts towards t- turn towards, well, what about that day? Where were you then? What about this day ahead of me? What are you doing about that? Not in a angry at way at God kind of way, but at a God, I know your power. I need you to move, and so it it is a progression. As followers of Jesus, we know we do not fight against flesh and blood. We do not pray this prayer, slay the wicked people. Okay, if you're taking notes, we never that prayer about people but we do pray this prayer it is still part of the groaning of our spirits towards God as we come to know his intimate knowledge of us and the whole world against spiritual powers as it says in Ephesians not against flesh and blood but about spiritual powers and we have the same groaning I hate the things God that hurt your people just get rid of them slay those wicked things God End poverty in this world. End trafficking in this world. End it, God. 
put an end to that spirit of suicide that wants to steal the life from our people, put an end to that spirit of drug addiction that just wants to steal the life of people and cloud over their minds and cloud over their eyes and stop them from being free as you want. Put an end to those things, Jesus. We have the same prayer. I hate those things. I count them as my enemies. We say, God, I will not make friends with them. I will not compromise with them. I will not let them be in my life. I hate the things that you hate, which is never people, because Jesus went to the cross for every single person. But it is the spiritual powers through the cross that Jesus came to destroy. Search me, O God, and know my heart. This is the last part of the psalm. And it's like, after we cry out those prayers about end the injustice and the evil in the world, a tiny little element of us goes, well, is there any part of how I live that is actually part of that? Am I contributing somehow? Search me, God, and make sure I'm not part of that. Make sure I'm part of what you're doing, bringing the kingdom of God, of hope and of justice to the world and, and love and grace and mercy to people and not, not any part of that, of, of that evilness. David began this psalm with a, oh God, you have searched me and you know me. And he ends with this, search me God and know me. It's an invitation he starts the psalm with this revelation. I'm naked before God. Your light is on me. I can't hide anything. And he closes the song with a, please search me. Look into every part of my heart and my life. Look into every part of me. Search me and try me. Would you come up? Lead me. See if there's any grievous way in me and lead me in your life everlasting. That word grievous in the Hebrew, it does mean grieving, sad, sorrowful, and hurtful. So we're saying, God, is there anything in me that's hurtful to others or hurtful to you, Lord? Get it out. It also means wicked and to do with idolatry. Is there anything in me that, is, that I'm putting above you? Jesus, the King of kings, let you be the king of my life. Lead me in the way of your everlasting life an invitation. So as I've been reading through this psalm, I think every single person in the world is at some point in it. Even if it is, I'm not searching for God, I don't know anything about Him, there's a sense of, but He knows you. He intimately knows you. He knows your every thought. I... Um, wanted to have this printed out for you but I totally broke the printer trying to do it so what I'd like to, you to do is uh, we just have a response and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit just where you're seated I'll get you to close your eyes and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit as I read through it one more time just if he would bring to your mind maybe a particular verse or a particular part of this just see as we read through it one more time if there's a part that really resonates with you that, that the Holy Spirit really wants to light up for you right now. So you might uh, be in that place where you feel frustrated at the injustice 
going on in your life or in a situation and you're crying out to God about it. Or you might be unaware of God, saying, where are you, God? And you're astonished to hear he's right there, always right there with you. Or maybe he's showing you today that your body is a gift from him and he's calling you to honour it, to worship him by honouring the gift that he's given you. Or maybe you just need to hear today that, you know, he's got you. He's surrounded you. No matter what you're going through, he knows it. It's not a surprise to him. He got, he's got you. Or perhaps you're in that day today where you want to invite God. Search me and know my heart. Lead me in your way everlasting. So I'm just going to read through the psalm one more time and uh, just allow, as you listen to it, allow God's Spirit to speak to you through it. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely this darkness is covering me and the light about me be night. But even the darkness is not dark to you. And the night is as bright as the day. The darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I could count them, they are more than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O oh God. 
O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent, and your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? I loathe those who rise up against you. I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there is any grievous way in me. And lead me in your way everlasting. Spirit of God, I thank you for your presence here with us today and that you've been speaking to people. I thank you for giving us this song, this word, that even when we don't feel like it's true, we can know your truth is that you are with us. You care about our thoughts. You care about our ways. You carefully ponder us. You lean in towards us. You incline your ear towards us. You love to hear us pray and I just pray Jesus that we can take something of David's revelation with us today even as we sit down, even as we stand up even as we lie down, even as we're racing through life that in every moment we would know your tangible presence your intimate presence with us and lead us in your way everlasting We thank you, Jesus.